It is uh, 32 minutes after 10 on 104 to 107 Nationwide SAFM. We are now going to be talking to uh, the Chief Executive Officer of the Consumer Goods and Services Ombud, Queen Munyai. Thank you very much, Queen, for joining us. Good evening. Good evening, Patricia and your listeners. Thank you for having me. So please take us through the background of uh, the appeal that, um, um, you know, against the High Court order declaring the Consumer Goods and Services Industry Code of Conduct valid, withdrawn. Thank you so much. Uh, As you may be aware, the Consumer Goods and Services Industry Code was accredited by the Minister of Trade and Industry in March 2015 and became effective in April. So... Uh, the office started to trade, and uh, in 2017, one of the participants that had already signed up and paid their fees approached us, demanding that they need to be refunded their participation fee based on their, the legal advice that they received. So instead of the CGSO refunding them, since it was going to create precedent, we then approached the, the High Court to seek declarator in terms of the matter that was being raised and the challenging of the some of the provisions of the code. Part of it being that uh, uh, they were questioning the lawfulness of the code. And after the matter was advertised, inviting some of the industry players to join the matter, there was an additional industry player that joined the matter who then in their who then uh, uh, in their uh, counter application they filed the counter application and claimed that the minister of trade and industry did not or was not uh, in terms of the constitution uh, allowed or did not follow procedure in pro- uh, in promulgating the code and the CGSO and giving CGSO the right to collect fees from industry. So now fast forward to March 2021, the High Court then ruled in favor of the Consumer Goods and Services Ombud, confirming that indeed the code was lawful and also that the minister did a follow procedure and the code was valid. It was mandatory to all industry players and the CGSO had the right to to then collect the fees. So following that, then there was an appeal against this ruling by the High Court, which is now what we are talking about today. But that appeal that was then raised has now been withdrawn. So now it has been withdrawn, and this uh, what does this mean uh, for CGSO? Okay, uh, you will recall that this code then was uh, indicating that it is mandatory for all eligible companies that are trading within the industry to sign up to the CGSO and to uphold the, the provisions of the code. So they were they are supposed to sign up to the to the industry scheme and contribute financially depending on their size uh, in order to to run the the CGSO whose mandate is to mediate complaints that may arise between the consumers and the suppliers and those consumers 
upset, are not happy about how the complaint has been handled, then they can escalate to our office. So it means that that uncertainty that was existing in the industry has now been confirmed. So the withdrawal of this appeal then makes uh, the, the ruling of the High Court in March 2026 to be then the last word. So it enforces that which was ruled in 2021. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So maybe to elaborate Mm there. What the the High Court is saying is that they have looked at the, the, the case that was brought before it, and it has confirmed that the CGSO Code of Conduct has been lawfully established or the participation is indeed mandatory for all uh, industry players who are in the supply chain. Here we're talking about all the, the, the retailers, including all major retailers in the industry, the manufacturers, distributors, and everyone who is taking part in the supply chain to get the products from the producer to the consumer. So it also confirmed that all eligible businesses are supposed to sign up and pay their fees and levies and contribute towards the running of the CGSO. So what does this mean? It means that if any of the suppliers are refusing or are not signing up to the scheme and paying their fees, they are then uh, in contravention of the Consumer Protection Act. And therefore, the CGSO can approach the court, the National Consumer Tribunal, or the National Consumer Commission, alleging that prohibited conduct has been uh, has occurred, and that uh, the suppliers have failed to register or failed to contribute to the to the scheme. So that is what the the High Court ruling was confirming. Can you define what a supplier is according to the CGSO and this particular ruling? Yes, the the supplier is everyone who participates in the supply chain, as I've already indicated, meaning that if you are in South Africa and your goods and services that you produce or you supply to the consumers end up in the hands of the consumer, then you are a supplier as defined. So it means that uh, if there is anything wrong with the products that you have produced, the consumer can approach either the retailer or it can uh, approach the, 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 the distributor or the manufacturer, anyone at all, as long as they are in the goods and services industry supply chain, and they are not regulated elsewhere by the code which was uh, promulgated by the minister. Okay, let's take a quick break and we will be back at 0614104107. That's our WhatsApp number for you to join in on this conversation. Social Conversations. We're still in conversation with Queen Munyai, who's the Chief Executive Officer of the Consumer Goods and Services Ombud. Um, and Queen, so you, you talked about the service providers 
and a participation fee. What does this participation fee look like? Because other service providers uh, might be worried about the cost of the service fee. Yeah, okay. In terms of the current uh, funding model, which is approved, the suppliers, <laughs> sorry, excuse me, the suppliers are categorized according to the revenue that they generate per annum. So the fees are calculated as a percentage of the revenue that each sub- supplier pro- uh, generates per annum. So in other words, there are categories who fall within the super group, group one, and they graduate like that. The good thing is that uh, suppliers whose revenue is less than one million per annum, although they are required in terms of the code to sign up to the scheme, they do not pay anything. However, they benefit from all the offerings that the office gives to all suppliers, which includes the guidance, the, the training on the CPA, basic training on the CPA, advisory in terms of if ever they are faced with a difficult consumer whom they are not sure how to handle, they are welcome to phone the organization and we have the qualified adjudicators who can advise them on how to deal with that. So that is a good thing, especially for the SMME uh, in South Africa. Okay, and and for those who are asking themselves, what exactly do you deal with um, at uh, CGSO? Please just give us a synopsis. Okay, the type of complaints that uh, we deal with, they are falling within the goods and services. In other words, all kind of, uh, could it be the goods that you purchase, whether it be furniture, groceries, clothing, retail, fitness, which are the gym contracts, cell phone contracts, and loyalty programs, accommodation, cancellations of flights, of weddings, you know, anything like that. And, you know, appliances, furniture, satellites, and telecommunication services, which which also will cover the cell phone contracts in terms of cancellation, early cancellation, those kind of uh, uh, complaints are those that we deal with in the office. Okay, so with with the complaints you're talking about, it, it seems like it's things we use every single day, services that we require every single day. Um, and some of them have a lot of, you know, kickbacks and fightbacks. Can you tell mm. us about some of the cases that you deal with, and especially around this time of the year? Okay. We are, okay, what I've mentioned earlier is that all the goods in, in services, the only sector which is excluded if the office doesn't deal with the complaints is the motor-related complaints that deals with motor cars because we have an accredited code, which is the motor industry uh, code of conduct, which is also promulgated by the minister. So any related complaints will go to that office. The ones that will come to us, for instance, uh, you can look at the, the in terms of the Consumer Protection Act, for any goods and uh, goods that you purchase, they come with an automatic uh, warranty of six months, meaning that if uh, those goods are defective within six months, 
then you are the consumer can approach the the, the product provider, be the retailer, and uh, request a redress, which in terms of the code is either a refund, a replacement, or a repair at the choice of the consumer. So those are the type of, of things that we facilitate, and I think most of our complaints in the goods are relating to defective goods within the first six months. So what we do, we, we help the consumers to facilitate redress from the supplier, so that because some of them, especially those that are not registered with our office, who do, who do not uh, who are not aware either of the code, they are not aware of the the, the, the requirements of the Consumer Protection Act, they tend to not be able to give consumers what is due to them. So it's very important for all the suppliers to be aware that they need to to, to subscribe, not only because it is law, but also that they get the services, they get guidance, which is much needed, instead of, because it saves them uh, the, the cost of going to court. Because as an alternative dispute resolution body, we use the mediation process in order to resolve and, and uh, close the complaints which are existing between the consumers and the suppliers. Now, how does a consumer go about applying or coming to you to seek for assistance uh, should they not get uh, the correct service or products that they have thought they were purchasing? The consumers get hold of us through our call center. We have a call center, an in-house call center, where consumers can phone in and speak to us in their preferred language. We have uh, trained staff that can assist them on that. They can also lodge the complaints through our website. There is a portal that we've created on our website, which will take them step by step guiding them on how to, to lodge that complaint if they don't prefer to phone in and talk to an agent. Alternatively, they can send us a WhatsApp and then one of the agents will contact them and guide them on how to lodge complaints. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to listen to your voice notes. A-teamers, you can send them to 0614104107 or alternatively SMS 41391. Good evening, A-teamers. Um, I would like to ask one question when it comes to cell phone contracts. What happened in the case where my contract or my cell phone contract is due for it, the expiry? It's about to expire. And then without me being consulted by the service provider, you find that the contract has been renewed. Can the consumer ombudsman help me in that regard? You know, because you find that your cell phone contract is due to expire tomorrow, but the day after tomorrow, your contract has been automatically renewed. How do you help in that regard? Oh, we get a lot of those uh, cases. <laughs> a lot of people, not only cell phone contracts, I think it happens even with other subscriptions like gym uh, contracts. Mm. That's correct. That's correct, Patricia. So, in terms of the Consumer Protection Act, the question that the consumer has raised now, yes, our office will assist in that aspect. Obviously, every case will be looked at in, in, and according to its own merit. But in this one of a unilateral uh, renewal of complaints, it, I mean, of contracts, 
it, it definitely uh, against the the consumer protection act so the suppliers are required to let the consumer know upfront that the way the, the contract is due for renewal and if that was to happen and the consumer did not give uh, the consent that it, can, it should be done yes they need to go and approach the service provider and indicate that they are unhappy about that if the the supplier is not able to resolve then the consumer is more than welcome to to approach our office through our website or our call center number and we'll be able to assist on that Mm. All right, so there is always help. But, uh, okay, let's go back to this particular um, court case, right? I'm thinking of uh, service providers who are refusing to pay the participation fee. What Mm. will happen to them? Okay, in terms of now now that uh, uh, the ruling is out now from the high court, we had quite a few who were supposed to sign up when the code became law in 2015. But we picked up that there are some of the suppliers who are still citing that they are waiting for the outcome of the declarator before they can sign up. Now that has been resolved, they're no longer standing on the fence. They are now in contravention. If they refuse to sign up, they are in contravention of the Consumer Protection Act. And we as the uh, CGSO can approach the the National Consumer Tribunal, the National Consumer Commission, or we can approach the courts and and, uh, and also charge them for failing to register or failing to contribute as per the, the ruling of the High Court. So it is compulsory for all suppliers who are, whether formal or informal, they are required to subscribe to the code, sign up to the CGSO, and pay their dues. How can we hold suppliers accountable as uh, consumers? Because it's to our benefit, right, that uh, these uh, suppliers mm-hmm. are a part of uh, CGSO. Uh, Patricia, in terms of the code, Supply, there are supplier obligations which are listed there, and those are the type of things that we educate suppliers about. One of which is that each and every supplier or a retailer is supposed to keep the copy of the Consumer Protection Act in their premises in case any of the consumers ask for it. So that is one of the things. The other thing is that when they sign up with our office, we give them a decal. The retailers, those that have walk-in offices or walk-in shops, they can put a decal, and I'm sure you might have picked them up if you walk around the mall. I've seen quite a few that have already rolled out countrywide. They need to have that sticker that gives confidence to the consumers that if anything was to go wrong, the supplier is committed to, to give them redress or rectify whatever is wrong. So as consumers, we can hold suppliers as, uh, accountable by asking them where you do not see the sticker or you do not see the decal, you, the consumer can then ask the supplier, have you subscribed to the consumer goods and services ombuds? And if anything was to go wrong, are you willing to, to redress? And the good thing is that we do deal with complaints even if those suppliers are not signed up. So. Even if they refuse to sign up, 
the consumer who is unhappy about the outcome of the consume, of the complaint, they can approach our office. We will shut them down and make sure that they, they, they give redress when it's due. So mm-hmm. that's why that's why we appeal that they must sign, the suppliers must sign up because those that are formal and are reputable, you find that we, it will be easy to track them down. But the challenge is with the one-man shows, which sometimes it's difficult to find them. So, yeah, uh, Queen, um, you know, so this means that we as consumers have the power to say, if you are not able to prove that you are part of CGSO, I will not take mm-hmm. your service because I might be hindered. Yes, you will cover yes. me as CGSO. You will help mediate in the situation, but it's not really to my benefit. So Absolutely. it's good for me as the consumer to know this. But what benefits do the suppliers have uh, when they pay this participation fee? Are there any trainings? Are they taught how to treat yes. their consumers? Absolutely. That, that's the first thing that we do. As soon as they sign up, we, we offer them a free, with at no additional cost for those that have paid that fall in the category that they need to pay. For the SMMEs, it's actually an added benefit because even if they did not, they don't have, they're not required to pay, they still receive the training, which takes them step by step on what is required of them, how do they apply the Consumer Protection Act. If they are having a difficult consumer, how do they deal with it? So that is one of the the benefits that they get. In addition to the fact that because they are in collaboration with all other suppliers who are in the industry, they can benchmark with other similar suppliers. They can, because we do publish uh, some of the the case study to try help suppliers to, to benchmark and see how they can best deal with complaints. So there are a lot of, and they can actually approach our office and get advisory on any matter which is relating to the Consumer Protection Act. Those are some of the benefits that they have. All right, so there is benefit definitely, not only for the consumer, but also, but for, also for, the for the supplier. And things would be much, much easier if every supplier, especially those who are online, were just compliant, wouldn't it? Uh, especially for you guys, it would make your guys much easier. Absolutely, because now with the ones that are not sub- uh, subscribed or who are not signed up with our office, and that is what consumers need to also look out for, especially those that are trading online and are, are not registered. It's difficult to find them because what we've picked up, we find that there are suppliers who are rogue. They will de- deliberately open up websites where they invite or advertise things at very uh, low prices, which influences or maybe some of the consumers are taken because they advertise beautiful furniture, beautiful stuff, which you cannot resist. They end up paying money even before they receive the goods. And after that, you find that those suppliers will close down the, the website and some probably open up in a different name a new, sub, sub, a new website and you will not even know that it's them. So those are the challenges. What we do in, in those cases we end up just naming and shaming. 
just to warn the consumers against their suppliers when we see that there's a trend that we are seeing in terms of the complaints that are coming to our office. So uh, as we wrap up, we're just getting a message saying, Hi, Patricia, nice show. The Spaza shop uh, were on the spotlight in Gauteng for foreigners selling fake goods. Uh, thank you. And this is this is really a challenge, this uh, fake goods that are being sold um, in, in these uh, retail stores. And some of them, you can't even tell the real from the fake. Maybe, uh, Queen, we should have another conversation around this and how we can protect ourselves and how you protect us against such. Absolutely. We'll definitely be uh, willing to, to talk to that and we'll also look into those areas as I said that even the un- in- informal ones. I think uh, I think it's uh, not only it's not only the spaza shops that are selling uh, fake goods, but it's also the fact that because of load shedding, um, you know, other retailers are selling rotten goods and they're mm-hmm. hiding these uh, labels. Let's have that conversation uh, in the near future. Thank you very much for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you very much, Patricia, and your listeners. It's uh, 11 o'clock on the dot. Let's go to the news with Greg Hurst. Good evening, Greg.